0: Hi, this is Justin Edinburgh, and you're listening to the NL Full Time Podcast.
1: It's NL Full Time once again. Don't forget to subscribe to us via iTunes and Spotify. You'll get it uploaded to your phone every weekend. Coming up, we're speaking to Southport manager Liam Watson and their CEO Natalie Atkinson, Stockport County midfielder Sam Walker and Gavin Sutton from Welling United fanzine, winning isn't everything. Shortly we'll be reviewing the FA Trophy quarterfinals that took place over the weekend and all the league action. But first, I'm going to bring in the people who are joining me this morning, I'm Leek Edwards. Rob is away, channelling his inner Alberto Tomba, so Google him if you're not sure who that is. (laughs) <laughs> Joining me is the man known as the Housewives favourite, it's Chris Pratt, hello Chris.
2: Uh, hello Luke, we have to change that, <laughs> but yeah, hi, I'm here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and also with us today is the man we know as Dickie, it's Rich Wharton, hello Rich.
2: Hi
3: there Luke, nice to see you
1: again. And the man known as the GR Tourist, it's Tom Lang, hello Tom.
3: Morning guys, how you
1: doing? So let's first head back to midweek, a massive resort at the top end and the bottom end of the table, filed 162 versus Haven and Waterlooville to keep their promotion. Push going and also to leave Haven in the mire at the bottom of the table. Also midweek there was a games in the National League North. I went to the game at Edgeley Park where. Southport were 2-0 up after 20 minutes and looking like they may well spoil Stockport's promotion push but Stockport roared back in the second half they got a goal just before half-time through Jordan Keane then they roared back with two quick goals in the second half to win by three goals to two a brilliant free kick by Sam Walker with the third goal and after the game I caught up with Southport manager Liam Watson So I'm here for the NL full-time podcast at Edgley Park and I'm here with Southport manager Liam Watson and Liam a topsy turvy game. You came here to a team, eighteen games unbeaten, you went two nil up. Was the key moment the goal just before half-time for half time for Stockport do you think?
4: Yeah, to give them a massive lift. It's criminal for us to concede it you know, someone switches off from a set piece of all and and we are drilled at set players and you know, that that's really the sickening one for me. Uh, but it is what it is. That's give them a, a massive lift going in and then they've come out with a, you know, full steam and then um, you know, from that point of view, it's made it a really difficult evening in the end. So what, what do you say to the players after that? Because they did
1: just come, and at times it looked like they had an extra man in the start of the second half, didn't it?
4: Yeah, we just got a uh, thingy. We just come out sloppy, sloppy. Whether it's a little bit lack of experience or whatever, but we didn't come out right. We were far too deep. Been done down the side. Little, I don't know. Was it an own goal? Or it, it, yeah, yeah, I thought it was, but he gave it to Stevenson. But yeah, it looked more like an own goal to mm-hmm. me. Uh, and then they've got a wonder free kick, which is not long after. You know, but you know, I'm looking at things there. So we haven't worked the keeper at all in the second half. You know, we did come with a match. You know, a game plan. Uh, and up until mm-hmm. the 43rd minute, it worked really yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the game's played over 95, not 43. Yeah, I mean, open,
1: opening sort of 20 minutes, you had to soak up a load of pressure. Then you got the goal. You, you were really clinical, weren't you? And then it was the tactic to kind of frustrate them a little bit because they were getting frustrated, weren't you, Stockport?
4: Yeah, I think you've got to say, honestly, Stockport are a really good team. Yeah. Uh, and to actually, you know, come in and have a right go at them, which we did. But I've got no complaints. Stockport deservedly won the game. Yeah. Uh, no issues from that point of view. But, you know, it, it, it is what it is, you know. We've just got it now. We've got 12 games left, and we've got to try and get on a good run. In terms of the season, I mean, it was
1: a horrendous start for you. I mean, what what did you do to kind of turn it round? Because you shouldn't have been down there at the start of the season. And you've really pulled it around, haven't you?
4: Got rid of a lot of players who didn't really want to. Well, they probably did want to be here, or not all of them who left the club were in that. Uh, but a lot of them should never have been. They weren't my type of players. They shouldn't have. He shouldn't have been a Southport type of player. Uh, so it's been a tough, tough season mm-hmm. uh, in terms of actually trying to actually. Uh, how would you say? Trying to build a team within mm-hmm. a season, which mm-hmm. is hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, 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 Southport had because I, I only come in late in. Mm-hmm. So in terms of recruitment, you know, allegedly Southport had a chief scout last year. If, if they did, I don't know what the hell he's done because, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, it was just waylaid with bodies and, you know, it's easy going and getting players, but you've got to get some out and, you know, it was just a mess.
1: In terms of the project then, I mean, where do you think you are with it? I know there's ambitious plans, I mean, are you, is it kind of consolidating? Was it, was it planned to consolidate this season and go for it next year or did you want to actually try and push on this year and get into the playoffs?
4: Well, first and foremost, Southport haven't had a manager for the last six years who completed the season. Mm which tells you an awful lot. You know, they've had 11, 12 managers in a period, that period of the time. So that means that the number of players who've been through the door. And if you look now at the teams who, who are doing well in this league, Jim's been back here about four years. Mm. Uh, Kev Wilson's been at Brackley. Jamie's been part of the management team at Chorley for a, a good four or five years. Uh, Jason Ainsley's been the, the manager of Spennymoor for a long time. It's no coincidence that them teams are up there for a reason and uh, you know you start adding to your squad as you see fit and and, and at the minute you know we are probably the average age of us are only 23 at the minute which probably is slightly young but something to work with I presume going forward as well yeah it just means we've got 11 or 12 players actually already signed for next year that means you're looking to bring in seven in the summer. There's some, obviously, we've got loans here. Uh, you know, Some we might be able to keep, some we might not. But then there's others we've looked at. Uh, but the bigger picture is, you know, we're not going into a crazy season. We're not going to start the season with 26 players. We're not going to spend my first three months of the season trying to ship players out. Yeah. Uh, so you'd like to think we'll be a lot more settled.
1: Excellent, brilliant. Uh, best of luck for the rest of the season, Liam. Thank you. And that was Liam Watson, and Chrisy was surprisingly honest, wasn't he, at the end of the game? And he was quite critical of his team.
2: He was brutally honest, wasn't he? And um, I think that's what you—that's what you get from Liam Watson. They're always. He always has tough sides, he always has physical sides, but he demands quite a lot from them as well. Yeah, he wasn't very happy with the way that they caved in. Is that the right word? Possibly. You were there. Do did, did you think they caved in there? They barely? didn't. Yeah, I don't think
1: they handled the pressure of the crowd very well. Potentially, that's, that was the, um, the downfall of it. And like he says, they normally... They're almost strong on set pieces, both both attacking and defensively, and and they weren't really well. They were until Stopper scored the first, and then they did crumble a little bit. And like you said, they didn't really test the goalkeeper in the second half, so uh, that was a big disappointment for them. But there's big things happening off the field as well at Southport, and just before the game against FC United, which they played on Saturday, I caught up with the CEO Natalie Atkinson. So, joining me on the line now to talk about what is happening off the field is Southport CEO Natalie Atkinson. Hello, Natalie. Hello. So, just tell us, since you came in the middle of last year from Curzon Ashton, just tell us what you've done so far at the club off the field.
5: So, one of the big um, aims to employ a number of staff to take on key roles within the football club, so obviously I was employed, and over the last 12 months we've employed um, within the areas of community commercial and new club secretary, events and hospitality, the management structure in terms of support um, scientists, physio uh, and head coach as well as obviously Liam heading up that team. So that was one of the objectives to do that. There have been a number of ground redevelopments, so obviously the grandstand has been redeveloped, the pitch will be redeveloped, as well as developing a training facility. And one of the big objectives obviously employing somebody in the role of community so that we can engage with schools, Education, all all aspects can kind of improve lives and hope to aim the aim really to um, put bums on seats on match days and increase our brand profile within not just the community but also the business community as well. And we're, we're starting to do that because we're starting to see new businesses come on match days with games and also attending our match day hospitality uh, school holiday camps. School coaching program. Like this year, we'll launch a Healthy Schools Initiative. We've tried lots and lots of things. Some things have worked, some things haven't worked. And those things that have worked, we' are try to capitalise on those at the moment, so the in-school coaching programme and the holiday programme within the community. Things are going in the right direction. Um, there's always going to be lots of bumps in the road. That is with, with any new business or with any um, football club. But we are starting to see the fan base go up ever so slightly on match days, and, and that's great to see. There's lots of younger people coming to the Games as well, um, because that's because we're engaging with, with our fans. So we've got two family days coming up where we're sending out um, 50 tickets per primary school, um, same with high schools, for children to come along. And then we've got um, a trade day to engage businesses um, at a game as well. So new businesses come along, network with each other, enjoy the game, um, and then we'll give them information for about sponsoring a game or sponsoring um, mm-hmm. the training kit or something like that for the yeah. new season as well. So that's we've got quite a lot. We've got 30 30- business is coming already to that so things are starting to pick up and, and that's helped with the team that we've got off the field obviously community commercial and events and hospitality as well
1: yeah because you've got the owner phil hodgkinson who's been he's coming in and he, he's made a lot of noise of what he wants to do he wants to get south put into the football league ultimately doesn't he
5: yeah uh, two owners so phil and um, ian kyle is the other um, the other owner um, and n- not just their ambition but the whole club and the town's ambition, you know, South should have a football league club and we're really passionate about that. And, you know, however long it takes, that that's the dream is to be back into the football league. Um, and we can only do that by doing what we're doing kind of off the field. You know, we didn't have a great start to the season, which I know Liam has probably told you that. Um, but it picked up massively.
1: And, you know, we're a, we're a contender. We are a real contender, and the playoffs are still inside. You talk about continuity off the field. I mean, when I caught up with Liam after the Stockport game, he mentioned about continuity on the field because he said that Southport have had six managers in the last six years. Uh, so is the idea yeah. to kind of keep that solid base yeah. on the field as well? So, Because if you're constantly yeah. manager, you constantly change your manager, your plans won't work, will they, ultimately? If you look at other teams, the, the, the clubs that are in
5: know the top seven those squads have been together a long time our squad has been collectively together and um, the squad that we've got for you know the last like, eight nine months you see so you know now there have been coming to going. The squad going forward for, for next season you may see some changes uh, but we've got a solid squad that that Liam picked uh, and it's the squad that he wants those clubs that are pushing you know in first second third and and in the playoffs they've been together a long time mm. um, and things aren't going to happen overnight it's like the things that we do off the field still a lot of nervousness about working with the football club until we prove you know, the excellent work that we do you know, hopefully we're going in the right direction
1: excellent well best of luck for the rest of the season Natalie and I'm sure we'll chat to you sometime either at the end of the season or next season yes Thank you very much. And that was the CEO, Natalie Atkinson. Big plans for Southport. Probably won't get promoted this year, but certainly something to build on for next season. So as he said, Sam Walker scored the winning goal for Stockport County against Southport on Tuesday night. So I decided to leave it a day before catching up with him. We met up in a local pub. We didn't drink, if, if any Stockport fans are listening. Sam had a, a latte and I had a soft drink. And we had a nice little chat about... The match on Tuesday evening, the season so far, and the FA Trophy prospects going forward. So I'm here for the NL full-time podcast, and I was going to catch up with him last night, but I was letting him enjoy the moment a bit. Just Stockport County's match winner against Southport, it's Sam Walker. And Sam, first of all, what a free kick that was as well. Yeah, thanks.
6: Um, I think we just had one just before it that Matty Walburton had took it went over to my side where it kind of favours my left foot and I just I fancied it I was confident and uh, yeah really happy to see it go in At that stage of the game I
1: mean you, you came out that second half and absolutely battered him didn't you you, was, you were like a juggernaut you got the equaliser I, want, I thought it was an own goal I wasn't sure I mean could you see whether it was an own goal or
6: I think um, as the cross has come in I think Darren's managed to get his thigh across the the defender and it's just Uh, touched his thigh and and took it past the keeper
1: It was his lack of celebration and I'm like it's an on goal that because he just kind of walked off didn't he but yeah and then obviously the free free kick came and you just felt it was like Southport's free kick in the first half you
6: just felt it was in a good area to put it in really Yeah I think at that point our tails were up as well and a couple of options where we want to go with three kicks like that and uh, we just had a quick discussion me and Matty and uh, and yeah like I said I fancied it and uh, glad to see it go over the wall and and when I've got it up and over it's uh, it's been too much for the keeper to to claw out
1: now Chris does a podcast with us when he found out I was interviewing you today he said he's been brilliant all season uh, for
6: you how's the season gone personally yeah, personally, it's been great. I've really enjoyed it. You know, uh, working with uh, such a good group of lads. We all come in, do our work, and uh, and yeah, and we've we've really took that took that on. And week to week, we seem to be growing stronger. And uh, personally, I'm just enjoying uh, every single game that I'm playing this season. What's the difference this year
1: because I've seen games last year similar to the Southport game where teams have come and f- scored first, frustrated, dug in and you've not got the result whereas last night you carried on and y- you got the result in the end
6: Yeah I think as a squad we've we've grown and uh, we seem to have more depth this year, we have uh, a couple of different ways of playing uh, I think we're, we're very organised, the information that we're given uh, from the staff is uh, down to every little detail and and this year we just seem to have grown with it and been able to take all the information on board and put that into play. Would it be classed as a failure if you didn't go up this year you've had a
1: really good run in the FA Cup in the quarter finals of the FA Trophy but is promotion the ultimate aim?
6: Absolutely I think it is it's, it has to be uh, our bread and butter uh, you know the league is is everything and when we came in middle of July, that was that was the target to be in the playoffs or to automatically go up. Which is I think we just gotta keep keep concentrating but I feel with this group at the minute, every single game, regardless of what competition it is, it's in, whether it be Chess Cup, League, FA trophy. We just want to win it.
1: Yeah, there's nothing like a full Edgeley Park. I mean even at 2 0 down, the way they got behind the team, there was a real
6: raw there, one it? it almost spooked Southport in the end, didn't it? I think so, but I mean it can be a bit of a daunting place to come in as a as a visiting player. I've I've been there a few few times before and uh, when the crowd get behind the team they really do become that twelfth man and um, you can sense that a lot this year. I think Saturday when we played at Telford, we'd been we have been on the road for I think the best part of a month and then coming back you could you could sense the excitement with the crowd and I up for it they were. And again last night on a Tuesday night I think it was over three thousand five hundred fans in the place for a Tuesday night in the National League North. It's it's phenomenal. Yeah, nothing but praise for our fans Looking ahead too this weekend, you've got the FA Trophy against Maidstone, I saw them at Salford
1: and despite Maidstone being near the bottom they are full time in the National League uh, it's
6: going to be a tough game isn't it? they're going to look to hit you on the break It's another great challenge for us to, to take on when we played against higher opposition all throughout this season, you know in the cup competitions um, we've just seen it as a challenge, we've, we've prepared as best we can and uh, this week will be all no different, and hopefully we can uh, we can progress through to the semi-finals. So you must be sniffing a chance of going to Wembley. Yeah, I mean, it's, I've been there before in in the FA Trophy, and it's uh, you know it, it, it's brilliant. I was lucky enough to to win it before, and every time the FA Trophy's cropped up, I've just you know mentioned. To some of the lads, how great it is, but more so than that, I think it's just keeping a winning run going, mm. um, and that's all this this game will be on Saturday. Um, it'll just be about winning the game, the old cliche, one game at a time, and then it'll be on to the next one. It was a weird time the last time you won it because obviously it was with Halifax, and you just got relegated, and then you went and won the FA Trophy the week after. Yeah, it was it was strange. It it was. Uh, you know nothing that I've ever come across before. Um, obviously, very disappointing to to get relegated, and then we had to come in for another two weeks, even though the season had finished, to prepare for the cup final. It was unfamiliar territory, but um, but yeah, credit to those lads. I mean, they managed to 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 pick themselves up after after the the disappointment of that, and and give. Uh, the Halifax fans, uh, something to cheer about in a season that they won't look back on too fondly. Best of luck for the rest of the season and hopefully
1: you'll, you'll be successful at the end of it. And that was Stockport County midfielder Sam Walker. Just quicker looking again at midweek, a game you were at, Rich, was Ashing United versus Telford. And again, another topsy-turvy game, loads of goals in it.
7: Yeah, uh, seven goals through left. Telford ran it by four goals to three in the end. But um, it was a close-run thing, having been 2-0 up and then 3-1 up fashion got back to three all and then luckily who put Telford ahead again, and they managed to hold on for that one. It was a
1: cracking win for Telford midweek. They went into the FA Trophy quarter final away at National League leaders Solihull Hall Moors. Thought last week, Rich. It was probably the toughest test Telford could face, but uh, it was fair to say they passed it with flying colours in a dramatic game.
7: But yeah, absolutely incredible game. Um, Telford came through by two goals to one, but that doesn't really sort of like tell you the half of it. Goal ahead at half time. Something a like lot you'd expect you know, we're, we're going to try and get back into it and manage to pull that on about 75 minutes through Jamie Osborne. It was looking likely to be a replay, but a, an awful miss kick. I mean, 90th minute from Moore's keeper, Ryan Boot, let Danny Ludo in to score for 2-1. There was about five minutes of injury time and Substitutions made as well, so I think in something about the sixth minute of, of added time, referee was apparently footsteps. As Yusuf to take the penalty and Telford goalkeeper Andy Witchley saves it literally the last kick of the game in the 10th minute of added time after a really lengthy delay oh I forgot there was a sending off in there as well <laughs> as between the penalty being awarded <laughs> and the penalty being taken so just incredible scenes and yeah fantastic result for us
1: and after the game Rich kindly caught up with Tim Flowers for a quick word
7: so I'm with Tim Flowers, Solihull manager after their 2-1 defeat in the FA Trophy Court final today against Telford um, Tim? Uh, tough result that one after you know coming back into that equalising 15 minutes left. How do you <laughs> feel?
0: Well, probably as you would imagine, um, disappointed. Um, I, I didn't think we did enough. If I'm honest, uh, I didn't think we did enough to win the game. Certainly to win it um, uh, uh, with 10 minutes to go, I'd have, t- I'd have took the second game without a shadow of doubt. I thought we were sketchy defensively, um, allowed them too many half chances or chances you we know, didn't have to work certainly didn't have to work hard to score their two goals which was disappointing we often puffed and managed to get back in it and then obviously we got a, you know, a chance to share the spoils at the end and, and a great save from the goal so the bottom line is I, I, I'm not going to turn around and go I know we're hard done but I don't think we did enough and, and we need to move on You know, we've got a 12 game league season now where We've got ourselves into a good position. You know, I'm disappointed because I thought we could cause some serious damage in this cup, Um, and we got ourselves and manoeuvred ourselves into a great position to do so with a with a home tie, one the first one we've had, and um, and basically. Didn't do enough. Didn't I will not say? Didn't turn up because I thought we tried, but I just didn't think we were we were good at what we're good at, and that's putting people under severe pressure and, and pinning them back and making it really really difficult for for the opposition. And I didn't think we did it.
7: Okay, some incredible drama at the end as well there with the uh, penalty yeah. and then such a lengthy delay. There was, was a red card in there as well for Telford Daniels. So sort of, I, th- I think I spied you. You weren't looking when that penalty was being taken. I don't really taken. look.
0: I never look when I was playing, but I didn't. I didn't look. No, and, and I didn't. Yeah this is what it was. I was, I was sort of thinking, and I was thinking, well, listen, if he does net this, and it probably is going to be the last kick of the game, uh, we have we have got our job, Uh you know, and I, that's not over egging that like, you know, we were we were on backs to the wall because that wasn't the case. But you know, when you've got a game or an opportunity like we are today, you've got you have got to come and you've got to be ruthless and grab it. And we didn't do that. It was too wishy washy for me and, and as I say, you know, I'm 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 neither one, I don't know, i say what I wanna say and I don't harbour grudges. And um, we move on. We've got a, a game under this Maidstone at Saturday tea time. So, being live, we've got an opportunity to then go and show people what we can do. And we've got to take that. We've got to plan properly this week and, and, and move forward. So, uh, some congratulations to Telford. I hope they win the Cup. But uh, we've now got to move on and, and sort of finish off what's been a, an unbelievable season so far in the league campaign.
1: And that was Tim Flowers in really gracious in defeat. And they can concentrate on trying to get promotion from the National League, but Rich for Telford, I mean, what a day out, I mean, you can can probably almost see the Wembley Arch now, can't you?
7: We can, yeah, I don't suppose anybody wants to get too ahead of ourselves with, you know, there's still a two-leg semi-final to come, and and of all the teams that are left in it, I think we're going to be the lowest ranked team in, but after a result like that yesterday, and and the performance that was put in, I don't think that that Telford should be afraid of facing anybody, to be honest, and I would hope that other teams would be slightly afraid of facing Telford.
1: I mean, Chris, what an achievement for Telford as well. We said about Solihull, not many teams have stopped them in the National League this year, and you saw Telford at Stockport a couple of weeks ago. Could you have foreseen that result?
2: Well, no disrespect to, to Telford at all, but we saw Solihull flying high in the, in the National League. You thought that was going to be a really tough test, and... Um, one question that, that I was going to have for, for Rich was, do you think the fact that it was a, a sort of a Midlands derby, if you like, or it was a, a, a relatively local game, do you think that added a bit to the, um, to, to, to sort of the approach by Telford or, or certainly the atmosphere by the fans?
7: I think it would have done think having so many fans there. I'm not sure there's an exact figure on it, but the word going around that perhaps 700 Telford fans there, which is approaching 50% of the crowd. There's a lot of link players like Theo Straight and Carol Knights who won promotion with Solihull about three seasons ago. Gavin Cowan was the coach at Solihull in that time. Um, Darren Acton's goalkeeping coach at Solihull was our goalkeeping coach earlier in the season. So the, the two knew one another very well and, and I don't think there was necessarily points to prove, but um, but I think certain people probably were going back to their old snapping ground and, and showing them that they hadn't lost it. The other
1: games in the trophy yesterday, the holders are out, Chris, aren't they? Brackley, they've they finally been beaten in the FA Trophy. Uh, they, they went ahead against Leighton Orient, thanks to a uh, a Lee unloved goal. Leighton Orient raw back in the second half. Three goals through Matt Harold and Dan Hap got the winner for them. And and Leighton Orient, they'll be they'll be the favourites now to win the trophy. I think, won't they?
2: Well, I think uh, I think File might have something to say about that as well. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, what's going on? The the world order has changed. Brackley have lost in the FA Trophy. That just doesn't happen, does it? <laughs> in in recent times, but um, no. And and look, they've put up an absolutely valiant defensive there of their trophy. Unfortunately for them, they did come up unstuck at, at Leighton Orient, but they put up a great fight, didn't they? And uh, well, were the winners last season and, and were the defending champions?
3: Yeah, just on that Leighton Orient result, the only thing that I would really add from their perspective is just how seriously Justin Edinburgh is clearly taking the competition this season. You know, last year, Leighton Orient, their, their focus was always clearly the league. They struggled initially, didn't they? And then they rose up the table, but uh, their focus was definitely very much on the league. I remember they got knocked out uh, by Gateshead. I, I went to that game. But when you look at the squad they put out yesterday, um, it was a strong team. It was pretty much exactly what you'd expect to see them play in the league. All their big hitters were there, you know, Mackinough was in, McCauley Bum was it, Bomb was in, and they they still brought some other good players off the bench when it looked like they might not get a result. You know, it was Jordan Maguire Drew that set up the winner and he came off the bench about fifty six minutes. They wouldn't be doing that if they didn't really want to go all the way in this competition.
1: And it'd be good for Leighton knowing. I think York did it a few years ago where they won the playoffs and, and the FA Trophy. And it'd be good feathering the cap for Justin Edmund because I know obviously they've got league ambitions. They don't really want to be in the, the non-league for too much longer. Longer. So if they do go up and it is their last ever participation in the FA Trophy, I'm sure Justin Edmund will say, well, let's go out and win it with a bang
3: Absolutely, you know you want to win everything you can play in, don't you? And you've got to take the opportunity—the opportunities where they come. So, they, yeah, you were right. They never wanted to be in the national league system, but now that they're there, it gives them the opportunity to win a trophy that you know they've not been involved with. So, why wouldn't you want to try and, and get that silverware?
1: Yeah, and as you say, filed also into the semi-finals. They drew nil-nil against Barnet, but the game rather than go to repay, went straight to extra time and penalties and eventually file prevailed 4-1 on penalties. In the game, I don't think that will live long in the memory by all accounts. A game that you went to, Chris, Stockport County versus Maidstone. Really interesting encounter, Stockport, top 2nd of, of the National League North, really pushing for promotion. Maidstone really struggling at the bottom of the National League. and uh, Could you tell much difference between the two sides?
2: Well, do you know what? It, it wasn't that bad. Like, it wasn't. It wasn't a terrible game, but uh, at all, it wasn't a thriller. But it wasn't a terrible game. I think. Um, I think what was really interesting for County, you know, County, I've got designs on on obviously being in the National League next season. There's a long way to go till that happens, but it was really interesting for them. I think to compare themselves against someone from the National League, albeit a struggling team, and I think one thing that I noticed was that it was it was a match of. I would say physicality. Um, When I saw the Maidstone team at the start, I thought, "Wow, they look about every man looks about ten percent bigger and stronger, sort of thing than um, than the Salford team warming up." And yeah, they were they were quite a physical side. And I think it was that physicality. County had a bit more sort of skill and guile and 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 what have you. So it was a it was an interesting encounter. I was really impressed with uh, Jake Cassidy from from Maidstone I thought he was good he took his goal really well and um, you know County stood up firm second half wasn't really something to, to write home about but they'll they'll do it all again on Tuesday
1: It's the only game out of the four I think that was it, it's destined you know for a replay in terms of it wasn't going to be decided on the day regardless I know Maidstone did the same thing at Salford in that they wanted Salford to go down there on a Tuesday night and, and Stockport will have to do that and it's not ideal preparation for that big game next Saturday is it Chris?
2: It's not, I think um, Jim Gannon was alluding in his uh, post-match interview that there's a few people who aren't getting games at Stockport at the minute, he's keeping a very very um, firm 11 and he, he named his strongest 11 yesterday but there's a there's a few players there who might get a chance on Tuesday night but he's taking it seriously, don't get me wrong he's, he's taking it very seriously.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get on to why it's a big game against Spennymore next Saturday, later on in the podcast. Going to have a, a quick look at the National League now. Hi, I'm
4: Hakan Hayretti,
1: and you're listening to the NL full-time podcast. It's not quite as exciting this week, Tom. There, there weren't as many goals as normal. Normal, there's goals flying in a, a plenty in the National League, but a, a bit of a tight day yesterday, wasn't it?
3: First off, uh, two of the top scorers in the National League obviously weren't in action in Danny Rowan and Macaulay Bond because they were busy playing FA Trophy games. So that's going to take out a couple of goals anyway. Three games postponed because of the FA Trophy. It naturally looks like a bit of a sparse calendar. But yeah, I think the highest scoring game across the entire division was Hartley 1, Bromley 2, which isn't exactly goals galore, is it?
1: You talk about the top scorers in action not or not being in action, Danny Rowe and Macaulay Bond. Yeah, what One person who's, who's suddenly making a noise in the Golden Boot race is Paul McCallum. He got two goals. Eastley pulled off a really impressive victory at Salford City. And he's now level with Danny Rowan. We wouldn't have predicted that at the start of the season, Tom, in terms of him being a Golden Boot contender.
3: No, I don't think so. I agree with that. Um, he certainly wasn't one of the names that I was considering uh, when we were looking at our Golden Boot suggestions. Um, but he's having a really good sort of late winter spell. He's got six goals in February already, um, two away at Salford City. is a really good return. Um, and the question to be asked, really, is just where would Eastley be without his goals? I know it's a bit of a moot point. I mean, you know, where would any team be without their best player? But Eastley are all the way up in fifth. They've scored 44 goals, of which uh, Paul McCallum accounts for 22. He scored literally half of their goals this season. They've got comfortably the worst goal difference in that playoff place. Um, their goal difference is plus two. The next lowest in the playoff spots is Harrogate Town with plus eighteen. So I think you know if you took Paul McCallum out of that team, you're looking at a lower mid-table side at best. So it just goes to show what an impact he's having on their season.
1: And Chris for Salford, they've really hit the buffers, haven't they? Now, um, Graham Alexander said they played well yesterday, but they're just not scoring goals. And for all the firepower they've got, that's quite surprising.
2: It's really surprising, yeah. They've lost the last three now, and um, before that they drew the two the two before that as well. So they are. They're really dropping like a stone and it wasn't something that we predicted. I mean, I think it was me, unfortunately, about four weeks ago, was talking about the title races being a, a three-horse race. And the form they've scored 58 goals this season, though, Luke. Um, that's second only behind Harrogate. So they have got goal scoring in them, and we've seen, you know, how good Adam Rooney is. You've got you've got Danny Lloyd, you've got uh, Gaffney there as well. But it's just not happening in recent weeks, and it's it's really worrying. And more so, more worrying, I think, for them will be the defence because McCallum's goals yesterday. I've just looked him back on the uh, on the National League website, and they're they're both poachers' goals, but they're both goals that um, Salford would be really disappointed that they did let in.
1: It's not like you, Chris, to not put the mockers on people. But, you know, like you said the other week, don't listen to me. Well, if the Salford players have been listening to you, that might be
3: why.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm not making predictions anymore.
3: <laughs> it, a month or two ago, Salford brought in Matt Green. Um, and up until that point, Gaffney and Rooney were banging the goals in. And ever since they brought Green in and sort of messed with the team a little bit, they seem to have gone off the boil. Do you think there's an element that Salford is almost trying to do too much? They're so set on dominating this league, actually they're going to mess with their own rhythm and, and maybe put themselves out of the player positions altogether.
1: It's a really good point, that Tom. I know Rob made a, that point a few weeks ago and it almost is like they want to send out a statement but they've kind of been too clever. They, they, don't, they didn't really need a goal scorer, did they, with the, the firepower they've already got there? It did. Kind of didn't make sense to me that they signed him. No,
3: agreed. You know, between Rooney and Gaffney, that's twenty-eight goals, um, and there's not many other strike partnerships in the league that are going to account for that many. Um, so I, I'd agree. I just think it almost feels like they. You, you were word use a statement, and that's absolutely spot on. They wanted to make a statement. They wanted to show their draw and the, the power purchasing power they've got. Um, and I just I don't really think it was necessary.
1: I mean, granted, probably did need another striker in terms of if if Rooney or Gaffney did get injured, but. To to sign someone from Matt Green, who was doing they were doing well in League Two at Lincoln City. You know, he's a regular there, so they they had to sort of bring him in and play him. It wasn't like you're you're signing someone from the National League North or lower, who who's a good hot prospect who you can bring in every now and again. You know, they brought in a player who they, they would have to start, wouldn't they?
3: Yeah, and also you know that's another interesting point is you quite often see with players who drop down, you know, essentially taking the money and dropping down the divisions. They've not really got anything to prove, um, whereas when the players are being pulled up from the National League North and South from the Step 3 divisions, there's a real desire and hunger to prove themselves. You know, dropping someone in who's coming down from League 2, as you say, haven't been a regular starter, into a team that's already going well, that there are naturally going to be questions around what's the motivation there, what's, what's really going to drive him to push on and try and smash his way up the goalscorer's charts. that it's
2: just... At the moment, it looks like a gamble that's not really paid off.
3: Do you think Chris that Salford are
1: at most risk now of dropping out the playoffs?
2: I don't know. I, I think they've got so much quality there. I mean, it's a really interesting point that Tom makes. Whether they've got too much quality there and it's unsettling the the squad, but I think they've got enough quality there to to certainly. Certainly cement the place in the in the playoff spots, albeit they're only one point in in those playoff spots at the minute, and and maybe even push up up the league and um, you know push into those uh, top two or three spots possibly.
3: There are three sides directly below them in Harrogate, Gateshead, and Sutton. As you say, one point behind. That is three teams who none of them are consistent at all. It's win one, lose two, win three, lose one. You know, there's, there's no real consistency there. If any of them can put a good run together, then Salford are very much at risk of, drop, of dropping out, I'd say.
1: Team who managed to maintain top spot with Solihull not playing as well with Wrexham, they needed a 93rd minute equaliser from Cole Stockton up at Gateshead to rescue them a point. And, and Gateshead had been gutted about that. It means they drop out of the playoff places because Harrogate got a really good win at Chesterfield in a in a game where Simon Weaver described Kelvin Langmead as wired randomly. <laughs> it basically, he was saying he was heading and kicking everything away, but he's grateful for his return. It was their first clean sheet since October as well, and really good day for Harry. Not so good for
2: Gateshead, but a brilliant one for Wrexham. Really significant thing happened at Wrexham this week, mm. and um, Brian Flynn uh, was back as a, as assistant manager there. So Brian Flynn, you know, knows the club inside out. guy with so much experience. And that could be really telling because that could be that experience. We talked about Brian Hughes, you know, being an inexperienced manager possibly for, for the size of club that Wrexham are. But with Brian Flynn coming back, so it's going to be a of the two Brian's for the rest of the season, that brings that level of experience. And, and that could really be a, a dangerous combination for everyone else around those um Around those uh, promotion-seeking spots.
1: Yeah, we talk about club legends, but he is a club legend at Wrexham, isn't he?
2: Oh, absolutely. And and just that alone is going to buoy the fans, and it's going to it's going to have a real wave of, of of good feeling about the place. Say about that Harrogate result as well. It's worth noting that
3: that is actually a genuinely impressive one-nil uh, victory away at Chesterfield. I know we're quite used to Chesterfield being not whipping boys, but certainly uh, flattering to deceive in this division but they'd put together a seven-match unbeaten run uh, over the last month and a bit. And that's included some pretty decent results as well. You know, draws at Solihull and Ebsley, uh victory against Fylde last week. So to go there and get a win um, and sort of spell the end of that little revival for Chesterfield is a very good result for Harrogate and keeps them very much in the mix in the playoffs area.
1: It's a shame Rob's not here this week because we've had him on for the last few weeks. He's been all doom and gloom. He goes on holiday and all the shots go and win.
3: <laughs> Maybe he should go on holiday more often.
1: I know Gary Waddock's probably phoning him up now going, Rob, wherever you are, just stay where you are <laughs> till the end of the season. But yeah, it was, it was um, a massive win. I know they were playing Braintree or bottom, but it's a massive win. It's put them within four points of safety now, and all of a sudden they'll, they'll be sniffed that fifth bottom spot now, won't they?
3: Yeah, I mean, that's the classic six-pointer, isn't it, really? Um, going into that today, or yesterday rather, there was only four points difference between Braintree and Aldershot. Uh, that gap's now risen up to seven. And it was uh, the curse of the returning player that put Braintree to bed, really. Uh, Rhys Grant getting his fourth for older shot since he moved across from Bra- Braintree Town earlier in the season. And uh, they even managed to survive a late red card for Scott Rendell as well to hold on and get the victory. They're now only four points from safety with the game in hand. So things are looking, looking a little bit rosier than they were last week for older Shot Town. Um, and yeah, Rob's, Rob must be looking into extended stays in wherever he is.
1: Second away win of the season for Aldershot as well. And I, saying, I thought the home form would keep him up. But uh, picking up points like that away from home will help as
2: well, won't it? Oh, well, it will, absolutely. And um, it just makes those above feel a little bit more nervous as well. Um, those above struggling to string um, some wins together. And uh, Dover Athletic are now looking a little bit vulnerable in that uh, that spot just above the relegation zone.
1: Yeah, they had that new manager bounce when Andy Hessenthaler and came in, didn't it? Tom? And they, they lost at Maidenhead, coupled with Havent only getting a draw against Halifax. He seemed to draw nil-nil at home every week now, which that means that Chesterfield are still... Point clear, the relegation's on in two places, and Dolvern and haven't, haven't really made any ground, have they?
3: No, they haven't. It, the new manager bounce, I think, is very much over for Hesse Tyler down at Dover. Um, again, some of the signings, you know, Pavey coming in, that hasn't really worked out for them yet. It'll be interesting to see how they get on in the next few weeks, uh, especially when there are other teams around them starting to put form together. Um, you talked about that, Maidenhead uh, obviously beating them, Adrian Clifton getting his 12th of the season, and Maidenhead have very quietly put together a really good run of form. When you look at the last 10 matches in the division, uh, they're, they're actually fourth in the uh, table with only losses to Solihull and Wrexham in their last eight games. You know, there's no shame in either of those defeats, are there? So very quietly, Maidenhead are pulling themselves away from the danger zone. They're up to 40 points now, um, certainly not home and dry by any means. But if they can keep stringing wins together while well, the likes of have and Maidstone and Braintree and now Dover are not, then they're going to back themselves to to pull clear.
1: Yeah, and for Halifax, they got a good win in midweek at Maidstone. A really late winner down there. They won by a goal to nil. And then they followed that up with, as I say, a nil-nil draw on Saturday against Havent. They're on 40 points. What do you reckon, guys, is the cut-off point for you know, safety. Did you think five more points for Halifax and they can go, yeah, we're safe now?
2: Well, yeah, you'd, you'd be looking 45, 46 probably, but you know, Halifax can't score a goal. That's got the Shea, your season ticket for the Shea stadium, uh, hasn't been great value this season, has it? And, uh, I don't know, but I bet there was a few uh, disgruntled voices there yesterday. Are they going to have to pick it up in draws? Can they, can they sneak some wins on the road? Uh, I don't know. I think 45-46 is probably going to be enough, I would think.
3: Yeah, it's a good point that Chris makes there around Halifax in their goal scoring. They've got 27. Nobody has scored fewer than them in the division. Um, and when you are the lowest scorers in the league, that doesn't often end well. You know, The fact that the only other side who have scored as few of them are older shot, who are well in the mire, tells its own story. And if they can't start finding the net soon, then that there is the potential for them to be dragged in. Um, I think, yeah, 45, 46, I think there are certain t- teams up around like Barrow, you're probably looking at them being safe, but anyone below a, a Barrow and a and they could be right down there.
1: We're going to have a look now at the National League North.
2: Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast.
1: And in the National League North, well, I think the result of the day has to go to... Ashton United guys, doesn't it? I mean, Rich, you saw them against Telford last Tuesday. They battled the way, ultimately didn't get the victory. Nobody had given them a prayer at Charlie and, and they ended up going winning at Victory Park. Yeah,
7: and my I would sort of defend on Tuesday evening it is is an incredible feat. Um, and the defender got the as well, Matty Regan, just on the hour. And, and that's just a hugely significant three points for Ashton. Takes them a little bit closer to Guy's and of course the significance of the top. You can't underestimate that.
1: Chris, I mean, I think did you say that they were eleven to one to win Ashton against Charlie?
2: Yeah, yeah, they were eleven to one in a two horse race to win that game and um that's wow, that is an absolute stunning result, isn't it, for Ashton United? And and not only does it does it take Ashton United. Well it gives them a sniff of safety now they're on um, let's have a look. they're only 3 points off Geisley on the same number of games but it also throws that um that promotion race and that race for the the championship wide open and it was a scrappy goal from a corner that that gave uh, that gave Ashton the win really but they won't care um Jamie Vermiglio was quite happy with the with Charlie's performance in the first half but yeah but he's He looked gutted. He's normally quite chirpy in the post-match interviews, whatever happens. And uh, he he admitted it was a bitter pill to swallow there yesterday because that leaves them on the same number of points as... Is Stockport County, who obviously were in trophy action yesterday, and uh, I will come on to it, I'm sure, but Spennymore uh, winning puts them one point behind both of those, so it just throws it wide open, and a huge, huge shock.
1: Just looking at the bottom there, Chris, I mean, we we mentioned it uh, last week, really, in terms of guys are like, uh, just doing about enough to keep their heads above safety, um, but... They lost against Alverton at home, and like you say, Ashton are only three points behind them, and they'll be worried now, won't they?
2: They'll be really worried about Ashton. Ashton can can do that to teams, though. That really, they can be really, really difficult to break down, and if, you do, if they don't concede early in that first half, I think the pattern with Ashton is if they do concede, they can concede a lot, but if they don't concede, they're really, really tight, and um, they can hit teams on the break, and they only need... One chance because they've got people who who can put it away, albeit I didn't think it would be Matty Regan like it was yesterday. What a strange season it has been for Geisley. And unfortunately for them, whilst they are the draw specialists, they would have preferred a draw yesterday. As you
1: say at the top, that really opens things up. Benny Moore, they got a 1-0 win over Leamington and they've got a game in hand over Charlie and Stockport and I think they're the real threat now, aren't they, to to Stockport if Stockport are looking to win the league and and they clash next weekend, don't they?
2: Oh, it's a massive game. It really is a massive game and I'm not sure whether... Edgley Park might beat the uh, beat the five thousand there, I think next next weekend because that's massive. I mean, Spennymore, well, they've almost doing it under the radar, aren't they? Because they're in the, they've been in that third that third position for for so long now, but they are a real threat, and that is going to be some game at Edgley Park next week. I don't think it will determine things because County got to play Chorley. I think I'm right in saying that Chorley got to play Spennymore as well. I might be wrong in that, but. There's still a long way to go, but it's a it's a huge, huge game.
1: There was a massive penalty save from Matt Gould at the end, wasn't it, for Spenny Moore?
2: So I think it was probably only about ten minutes
7: or so left Matt Gould save a, a old division penalty. That's the goalkeeper. When we talk about goalkeepers, a good goalkeeper being worth by like ten points a season, you can look at that save yesterday and say there, you know, if they go on to win promotion, they can look back on that as, as a hugely significant moment. It's
1: no coincidence though three are at the top, Chris, aren't they? Stop count, you? conceded the least goals on twenty eight and then the next to Charlie. Spenny both on thirty one good solid defences for all three of them.
2: Yeah, they've been stand out this season, haven't they? All three, and uh, for for um, you know possibly two of them um, to, to miss out on promotion depending on how the playoffs would go would be would be really disappointing. Um, one thing I would say is that um, Brackley are in a really good run of form at the moment as well, so maybe they could. Sneak up And um, You know Maybe Telford as well Rich I don't know the, Whether they could bring their, their trophy form in They could be Dark Horse as well But uh, it certainly looks like The the top three at the moment
7: Yes yeah, it's, it's looking that way I mean I know um, Gavin Cowan would, would like Telford To to use his trophy run To sort of like Really kick on In the last 11 games And just see where They can take them Brackley now You know I'm sure they'd still love The distraction of the trophy But they haven't got That now So they've just got The lead to focus on Playoff position and that top three is going to be fascinating for the for the rest of the
1: season. A couple of other games we, we need to look at really. Blythe versus Kidderminster. Kidderminster they were they were cruising, weren't they? And I know Mark Yates said he was uh, he was really well. He used the word embarrassed in the end because it was three one up with two minutes to go and end up drawing three three and a, a massive blowout for Kidderminster. And a great result for Blythe.
7: Absolutely, and Blyth are actually down to ten men. Um, at that point, they had goalkeeper Pete Jamieson sent off in the first half. His legend, Robbie Dale, further extending his legend there by being uh, a spell with gloves on, went in goal, and then he had two goals in the last two minutes to, to pull out a three-all draw after being 3-1 down. It's got to feel like a win almost for lies, but for Kidderminster, you know, particularly when they're, they're, they're labouring to get back into the playoff places, that's that's a real blow. And... I know from teammates to fans that they've spoken about their team having a soft centre and not being able to see games out and and yes, perhaps more evidence of that again yesterday.
1: Yeah, well those were the words that Mark Yates also used, he said, having a soft underbelly, that's why I've been brought in by the chairman to to cure that and he said uh, it's something we still need to work on. I know, Chris, you wanted to look at a couple of other games as well. Most notably, Chester slipping up at Bradford Park Avenue and Curzon and being battered at home by Oldham. Quite a surprise result, that.
2: Uh, yeah, it was a surprise, especially um, because Curzon you know, had been going so well in recent weeks, albeit they, did, they were turned over by Brackley the, the week before, so... Yeah, it was a real surprise, but fantastic result for Altrincham. And I think the only thing that will disappoint Altrincham fans, maybe not this morning, but when they when they look at back over the season, is that their inconsistency—that they can go and beat someone six nil, and then the week later they'll lose or they'll draw. And I think the teams that that um, that are really serious about you know going for promotion or going for that top spot really do have to put runs together at different points during the season. And I don't think Altrincham. Are, have done that, but don't take anything away from him yesterday. Joe Piggott with a hat trick as well, which is quite significant there. I think that was a fantastic result, wasn't it? Re- really fantastic result.
1: And for Chester, was it a massive blow again? I know Anthony Johnson said last week that it's the worst injury crisis he's ever had as, as a manager. And again, they're just outside of the playoff places, four points out of it. Bradford have recovered a little bit now, haven't they? With that win, they were going through a really bad spell, but they're back up to fifth place now.
2: Yeah, I think very briefly on this one. I think um, I think it was significant because Bradford got a win over someone who's up there in, in play a playoff rival. And um, I think what what all I'll do, I'll leave this one on. Just have a look at Ber- Bernard Molly's interview at the end because he uses words like he was embarrassed about a, the team's performance and it was laughable at times. Yeah, he, he was he was fuming really.
1: That's a good place to lead the National League North and we'll move on to the National League South now. Hi
7: everyone, I'm Martin Tyler. You are listening to the NL full-time podcast.
1: In the National League South, as we know, we've been speaking about the last few weeks. Welling have had a few issues financially they've had to cut budgets and things like that steve king's committed to staying so i got a bit more about what's going on at welling and i spoke to gavin sutton who works for the welling united fanzine winning isn't everything and i caught with him during the week it's been a strange few weeks at welling united football club and joining me on the line to tell me all about it is gavin sutton and he is from the welling united fanzine which is winning isn't everything hello gavin hello so you had a great great win over Tarkey last Saturday and that's kind of been the spirit that you've shown in general on and off the field over the last few weeks.
8: Yeah, I think so. Well, publicized that we had the budget cut uh, a few weeks ago, which is ongoing, but you know, we we can't spend money that we haven't got. Like most non-league clubs, we have to try and balance the books and uh, but the squad we have got is still capable and um, as they showed on Saturday with only sort of fourteen 15 fit players uh, we put in a really good performance and thoroughly deserved the win
1: uh, what's been the reaction to the news I mean is it a case of the supporters of Got the, Some some clubs get buckets out, don't they? I mean, I presume the fundraising efforts have been stepped up, have they?
8: I mean, we went, I don't know if you know the history, but in 2010 or a number of years ago, we, we nearly went to the wall. We had uh, problems with HMRC and uh, supporters and whatever got together and raised Sixty thousand in no time at all. Obviously, it's disappointing for the supporters if we do cut the budget when we're in a, a strong position, in a playoff position. But I think most of them understand that we want our club to continue, and we don't want to spend money we haven't got or spend beyond our means. So if that means cutting the budget, then that's what we have to do. I, I certainly have no problem with that, and I, I'm fully behind that. And I'd rather have a club to support than one that spends beyond its means and and goes pop.
1: Was it a worry that Steve King might have left the club when the news broke?
8: I think as far as I know he signed a two-year contract and everything I've read and heard from uh, Steve himself that uh, he would on to that contract and uh, he has a very good record, as you know, at this level. You know, We're hoping he stays. Obviously he's got to uh, balance the books a little bit and juggle around his players and his squad with injuries and such like. But um, so far he's doing a good job. We know we've been played against... Steve King teams and struggled in the past and now we're uh, hoping that he can keep us up in the playoff position you know we'll uh, we'll continue to run with what we've got basically yeah we're
1: saying he's doing a good job he's doing a very good job I think now in terms of with everything that has happened and I think there's this sort of perception of Steve King that he can only work when he's got a really big budget but that's kind of proving against that rule in a way now isn't it because they say he's working with what he's got and he's still doing a really good job
8: yeah I mean he's I think you know he's, he has a very good record at this at this level, as he's he's fond of telling people, but he has got a very strong record with different clubs at this level, but they've normally been well financed. And I think at the start of the season, you know we we had a, a very big squad, probably too big a squad if if I'm being honest in my opinion, but you know it, we have to cut our cloth accordingly, and uh, he realises that He's said that publicly. The owner, chairman Mark Goldberg, has said it publicly. Between them, they putting out a good squad on the pitch or a good team on the pitch. Results at home have certainly been very strong. Maybe away from home, not quite so good. But uh, we won the last one at Oxford week before last. So hopefully that will continue.
1: And in terms of well in itself, I mean, do you think with everything that's gone on, do you think it's maybe not the right season to be going up into the National League because obviously the travelling increases and things like that?
8: Yeah, I mean, you know, we've we've only been going fifty odd years, and we've spent best part of a third of that at the at the top level of non-league football, which for a club of a support of our size and a club of our size is a miracle, really, in a lot of respect. Personally, at the moment, I don't think we're equipped to go up, but things change quickly, and you know, you want you want your team to compete at the highest level. I think brain feed went up. Six in uh, last year and went up through the playoffs and beat everybody and now they're obviously struggling a bit and those club wise we're a similar size to them but you know we uh, our home form has been very good and we need to try and attract a few more people through the gate and uh try and you know get finances from elsewhere which i'm i know the club are looking at and i'm sure you know supporters will do their bit if they can
1: yeah because as you say your fan base isn't isn't massive, but it's a very loyal fan base, isn't it?
8: Absolutely. I mean, as I say, you know, the fans went a long way to bailing the club out a few years ago when they were in trouble. We have a loyal home support, we have a loyal away support, but like everybody else, we'd, we'd like to get more bums on seats and more people through the door because that way, you know, we can improve things. We People spend more money, bring more people, bring friends along. And, um, you know, the more people through the gate, then in theory, the, the better budget we can have and the more successful we'll be as a whole. So I'm sure that's what the chairman would like. I'm sure that's what the manager would like. And that's what I'd like as well. But we do have a very low fan base. But, you know, we we need to increase it in any any way we can
1: and and just tell us a bit more about the fanzine the winning isn't everything fanzine uh, how it all came about uh, how it's yeah. doing and, and and if people want to purchase one who, who aren't from welling how how they can do that
2: yeah
8: i mean we do we do have social media outlets we're on uh, facebook other you can find us on there you can find us i think on twitter as well um, I'm not sure what the hashtag is because the editors bottled it and put me on here instead of him. So <laughs> I don't know all the details of it. So, um, But yeah, we've, we've been going for a few years. We stopped and then restarted. We do about, uh, I think we'll do three issues this season. We're up to number 50, 53 now. I think the next one will be or what the last one was. And yeah, it's good fun. We have uh, a loyal bunch of fans. Generally, the older ones that, that um, contribute to it. You can certainly get a copy through, you know, or getting in touch with us through through Twitter or on Facebook. Uh, I'm sure we we'll get hold of a copy. We we don't run misses, but we have a, a very uh, nice printer that comes along, watches us, and helps us do the printing for next to nothing. So thanks to him as well. And um, you know, we, you can always get hold of a copy, or we can we can mail one out to people. So. Uh, it's a very good read, I'm biased, but I think because we only do it three times a season that it tends to be um, quality over quantity.
1: Yeah, exactly, sometimes it's better like that and go on, I'll, I'll let you give the printer a shout out since as he's been helping you out.
8: Yeah, Nathan Finch is the printer's name, so thank you to Nathan because he, uh, he does it for next to nothing, but as I say, uh, the editor-in-chief is Dave Fitch it, but he's the one who bottled it and got me on here instead. So we'll give it, we'll give him a name check as well.
1: Yeah, well done, Dave. Thanks for putting Gavin on under the spotlight. Yeah. But you'll you'll get all the praise now, Gavin. When when people listen to this podcast and tweet out, everyone'll be like, we'll, "How good is we'll Gavin?" See. <laughs> we'll see. Good luck too, welling for the rest of the season. Good luck Thank with the you. fanzine, and we'll try if you're in the playoffs to get down to one of your games later on in the season.
8: Yeah, please do. The more the merrier.
1: And that was Gavin Sutton. From the fanzine, winning isn't everything. Make sure you try and get a copy of them. Very good read indeed, but Welling doing fantastically despite all the problems, they got a, a massive one 0 win at Hungerford because again, significant result at both ends of the table that yeah
3: um, I, think, I think it's one that they would probably have expected to win really. Hungerford aren't going well, um, and they're having a, you know they're right down the wrong end of the table, aren't they A really good result for Welling. Nice to see Danny Mills getting a goal as well. But I thought that interview with Gavin was really interesting and it it highlights the dichotomy that you often see at the non-league level, the sort of speculate-to-accumulate mentality of some clubs, whereas actually Welling is sort of going the other way and saying, you know, we are in the playoffs, we've got a good chance of promotion, but let's not take risks. Um, We don't want to jeopardise the future of the club in order for short-term success. And I think that's really refreshing, especially when you look at some of the troubles that, you know, the team directly above them in the division, Billericay Town faced over the last few months when it you know the risk of the money walking out the door became apparent
1: as you say it's a really good point and that's something i found interesting chatting to gavin is that a lot of teams in the playoffs if they're saying we're cutting the budget the fans would be going mad wouldn't they over it but they like say i think because they've been out of business before they've gone do you know what the club's more important than promotion
3: absolutely um and you've only got to look at the rest of the teams in this division torquay united have had money troubles uh, Billericay Town, there was the threat that they might go out of business if Glen Tamplin uh, disappeared. Truro City have had money troubles. Gloucester City have had money troubles. There is, There are horror stories galore across this division. So to see someone actually making the decision of, no, we're not going to go down that road and be backed by the supporters for doing that is really refreshing.
1: Talking of Billericay, as you say, they've had money problems. And they faced an out-of-farm Oxford City, but that's still a really good result for them. And are you surprised that they're still up there, really, competing? They're in fourth position.
3: I am. You know, I said this the other week, didn't I? I said uh, all credit to them. And I've been quite critical of Billericay across the season for some of the decisions they've made at the boarding level. But they have to take credit for the way they've responded to that November-December period. Um, they've put together a really good run of form over the last few months. Um, they haven't lost in six now they've got five wins on the bounce and and they're finding some really good form so massive credit to them for that you know i'd have been quite surprised if they didn't dispatch oxford who have picked up one point from the last eight games you know they're really going the wrong direction down the table shimanga scored twice again yesterday he's been pretty much the one consistent positive point for oxford across the season because you know their 2019 has just started horribly.
1: Hey, Jamal Rose has proved a really good signing, hasn't he, Tom, from when you brought him in from Woking?
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was one of those ones where you can pretty much guarantee he would be a good signing. He's a really good winger at this, at this level. You know, he's a very good winger at, at step one as well, in my opinion. But um, he's got seven goals from the wide positions for Woking. And he's gone to Biliriki and pretty much just continued how he was going.
1: Massive results at the top of the table this week. Woking during midweek beat Hemel Hempstead by three goals to one to consolidate their lead at the top. However, over the weekend, Woking went and lost at Dartford. Is that a surprise? Because Dartford are in the playoff spots, but they've been a bit inconsistent. Coupled with Torquay winning at home 5-2 against Dulwich Hamler, that means Torquay go back top by a point.
3: Yes, it does. Um, and this is a title race which just keeps swinging, doesn't it? Um uh, it was interesting uh, what uh, I think Rob said last week, it may have been Chris, so about how we've been talking about a two-horse race all the way through. But now, actually, you look at the table, and uh, Chelmsford and Billerickie Town, even Welling, are very much within striking distance of the top two. Both of them have a game in hand, and I would still expect it to be one of the Torquay or Woking to take the title. There is slightly more competition than they expected. In terms of Dartford. you know, you say they're inconsistent, and it does look that way because of where they are in the division. But let's not forget what a difficult start to the year they had after Tony Berman left. And actually, when you look at their form, they've only lost once in their last 10 games. Um, So they're really, they're bubbling away nicely now. Um, They've just brought in Darren McQueen on loan from Sutton United. Um, I think he's, you know, he's only been in for a month or not well less than a month. He's already scored twice. I think it's two in two games that he's actually got. So they're, they're putting together some nice running form along with Chelmsford, the most likely to uh, to get towards the top and upset the apple cart. I mean, Billerick in time as well, but I can certainly see Dartford hauling in Welling and Bath City above them. Torquay United getting back to winning ways and, and banging five in against Dulwich Hamlet. Jamie Reid and Saiku Jamme both scoring twice again. I mean, I've lost count of the amount of times I've mentioned them as a strike partnership. They really are absolutely on fire for Torquay this season. Between them, that's now 36 goals across the season which is just a phenomenal return for a strike partnership
1: Chelmsford bit of a slip up for them drawing nil-nil at Glossford they'll be disappointed at that that they couldn't take advantage of Woking slipping up
3: yeah yeah they will be um, I think any time you go half the length of the country at this level um, it'd be secure point as an away ground you've got to consider that a good result. It's something I was talking about yesterday was just how much of a difference away fixtures make at this level. When you factor in that for Chelmsford to get to Gloucester, considering they've got to go halfway around the M25, they're probably looking at leaving at nine or 10 o'clock in the morning. I think we, we sometimes don't give enough, don't pay enough heed to the impact that that will have on likely results. So to go there and get a point is still a decent a decent point in the conditions, I think. And then the other result was, was Wealdstone. They won 3-0 away at Eastbourne Borough. We've spoken about Wealdstone a few times on this. Could we be expecting more from them given the squad they've put together? And, and i said yes, I think we should. And the 3-0 win away at Eastbourne Borough. Eastbourne's a difficult place to go and get results. It is a long way from, from a lot of places. Admittedly, they had their keeper Sam Howes sent off uh, just towards the end of the first half. But um, David Pratt amongst the goals uh, there, he's having a really great season. And also, Taron Alarakia um, who they brought in on loan from Crawley he's really settled in well at Wilson and he's proved to be a bit of a, an inspired acquisition for them
1: Just quickly as well a, a bit of a left field sign news Newsbrook this week that Eastbourne Borough they sacked Jamie Howell Last weekend, after after their defeat, and brought in Mark McGee, ex-Scotland assistant manager. I know they said they wanted to go in a different direction, but wow, that is, a, that is a, a massive sort of different direction. He said he lives in Brighton, it's just for 11 games until the end of the season, but and he doesn't want to be sat home doing nothing. But that's quite a big draw for Eastbourne Borough.
3: That's that's a really uh, big acquisition, isn't it? Um, it? It's a statement that they can get someone like Mark McGeehan for, for the final few games of the season. You know, maybe if he can come in and put together a good run, then he'll, he'll want to stay on and see where he can take it next season. I was actually chatting to a couple of people from Eastbourne yesterday, and their opinion was that, that they're sort of just looking to get through this season now, but that they have big plans for next year. It is a difficult place to get players to go to. You know, they have the same sort of problems as Dover, that they're a long way away. Um, But as you've said before, they they have that Brighton population area to draw from. So they do have potential as a club and and it'll be interesting to see if they can stick out in the division, which they should do, because frankly, there are worse sides than them in the National League South. And that'd will be interesting to see where they go next season.
1: Yeah, he's brought in Charlie Altway, former Brighton and Hove Alvin midfielder, as his assistant. And an interesting quote from him, he said, he's seen a lot of non-league games, but he doesn't know non-league players inside out. So he's brought in people who do to kind of advise him.
3: Yeah, and that's just good management, isn't it? You know, we've seen it before where, you know, the egos come into non-league football. They don't know how to manage in non-league. They don't know the complexities and intricacies of managing players who have day jobs of managing players, some of whom are on non-contract, some of whom are on contract terms, and the the disparity that can put within the squad. So, yeah, he's been clever there in giving himself non-league expertise as his support team that will really get him bedded in a lot quicker at this level.
1: Nice one. Well, Tom, thanks for joining us once again this week. Yeah, absolute pleasure as always. Chris, thanks for joining us this week. Yeah, thanks, Luke. Rich, thank you very much for joining us. In, in, enjoy your day. Uh, I'm I'll sure you'll enjoy your weekend as well. Yes, I'll go, I'll go and google something now,
7: yeah. Excellent.
1: <laughs> Cheers.
4: speak to
1: you all again. Thank you all for joining us. We shall see you all very soon. We'll be back next week. Again, don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify. But until then, happy football watching, and we'll speak to you next week.